MPI Paranormal Radio. The truth is to be found. An internet radio show dedicated to the open discussion of different paranormal topics by military paranormal investigations. Our aspiration is to research and discover the possibilities of scientific reasons to a field of study which many do not believe to be supported by facts. Military Paranormal Investigations is not affiliated to any branch of the military. We are a science-based paranormal research organization of active duty and retired military members, dependents, and or friends located out of Wichita Falls, Texas. Recorded or live, broadcasting with Shoutcast on multiple websites to get the maximum reach. Now, here are your hosts, members of the MPI team. Good evening and welcome to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio. I'm Mike. I'm Jeff. And I'm Rob. Well, uh, first of all, as we normally do, I want to start out by saying we are not affiliated to any branch of the military. We, um, you know, it's been a while since we've been on here. A long while. A good couple months. A big hiatus for us. Um, so anybody that's kind of caught up on there, uh, caught up on our subscribing to us or listening to our podcast, uh, we want to say that you can find us at our website at militaryparanormal.com. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Military Par- Military Paranormal. We're also on Twitter and um yeah, I think we're just on those three right there, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, our regular site. Right. But like you said, on Podbean, uh, like you said, we have 50, um, 71 new followers now. So yeah, 71 new followers, and I'm going to apologize up front. We kind of lost where we, where we left off last time, so I'm not, we're not going to be able to mention where we're at from that. We've gotten so many new ones that's, that's came on there, so... We apologize to all you guys, but we wanted to say we really appreciate you guys following us, and, and thanks again. I think what I'm going to do is I'll go in there, and I'll look to find out who's all followed us, and then I'll put their name on it for us. Okay. That, that, that'll work really good. Um, you can uh, make sure you follow us on, again on Facebook or, or Twitter. And what I wanted to say is we have been working on our website a little bit. We've made it easier for you to find our podcast and any of our blogs. We're going to start trying to get our a blog going right. back again. So if you go to our website, you'll see we've still got our old site, our normal site that we have going. But we also put up a, a WordPress site that you'll be able to follow along with our podcast and our blogs and, and some news updates and things that will be coming along a little easier to you there. And uh, don't forget that uh, obviously we got this new video thing now, so... It, that, that's going to be interesting to watch. You're right. If 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 we don't look like a bunch of monkeys when we get through with this, we will have <laughs> our we will have this up on YouTube again. I kind of quit posting our podcast to to YouTube because we got some feedback that all we were showing was kind of our logo on the right on there with our audio. But so now we're going to at least have our video so you can see. But we're going to try it. I'm 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 going to try it because I know Jeff. You don't like being on video that much, so we're going to try this. You know, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'll get through it. <laughs> so you can check out our ugly mugs on you on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to go there and subscribe to us as well. So it's been what, about five months now. Yeah, I think April was April, our last show. Right. Yeah. And uh I know we've all you know, I, I won't sit here and make excuses. I mean I think everybody knows we do this for fun. We do this on the side. We've had cases. I know I've had my son graduated from the army, moved across the country, my brother moved. We've had some cases that we've done. Uh Job I, changes. Job changes. I just moved into a new house. Right. So, yeah. And I had some family things as well. So, so that's why. So, like we said, we're not apologizing for anything, but, um, you know, things happen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
So, uh, got a question for you guys. What are we going to talk about on tonight's show? Well, I think, Mike, you, you started talking about some new news stuff that you want to talk about. And um, I think we want to go to the near-death experience. Okay. Um, near-death experience, out-of-body experience. We, we've been talking about it for quite a while, and um, I think we should try and go ahead and just see where it leads us tonight. Like I said, this isn't anything that's going to be official out there as far as us trying to come up with a new thing. We're just trying to get back into the swing of things. Heck, it took me a whole hour to get this <laughs> up and running. So, and, and one thing I'd like to say, as you listen to our podcast, if you guys have any comments or, or uh, topics that you would like to hear us talk about, give us a shout-out and let us know what you would uh, like to hear. You can find it, again, send it to our Facebook page, message us there, or go to radio, email us at radioshow at militaryparanormal.com. And send us that. Also, if you have a story you want to tell us, your own personal experience, we might share that on our on our show. So uh, please contact us. And I'll tell you, don't be afraid because we don't judge anybody, and we'll we'll be glad to to try to get some uh, more content. Uh, are we are we trying to put it on our blog? Is that what we're looking for? We we, we might even do that if we yeah. get a story good enough. We could you know we could even you know if you we could clean it up for you even if you want. Uh, we could you know we we could put it on our blog as a story. Uh, your own personal experience. So, yeah, because tonight's topic, as uh, Rob said, we is going to be the near death experience, and I would like to, if you guys had any experiences, personal experiences, uh, that would be nice to hear some of those. I think it would. I think it'd be neat to hear. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all the popular stories out there, but I think it'd be good to hear uh, a real story from uh, from a listener that's out there. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm always down for a good story. I had to move my mic, so that's why I, I was kind of shutting up for a while. But I, I, I couldn't, you know, I'd look over at you and I couldn't hear myself. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize too if I cough in the mic. I, I don't certainly don't mean to. I've kind of, if you're watching the weather here in Texas, we got about five inches of rain in four hours of the day. Five inches? I think it was a lot more. Let me tell you, I got a pool in my new house. It wasn't that full. It started overflowing. It, we, I, my friend had a rain gauge, got 5.14 inches of rain in about four hours. And whatever it did, it made everything that hasn't grown in Texas during the drought come out at once. You got that right. My sinuses yeah. and allergies are absolutely killing me. But So um, so do you want to start off with the news articles that you found? Sure. We'll and, talk and about them. That's what I, that's what I was going to do. I, the, the article caught my, <laughs> caught my attention just a little bit that I saw it. And it basically said base, that Stephen Hawking says, don't contact aliens that we're, we're looking for trouble. Renowned physicist Stephen Hawking continues to warn the public that extraterrestrial beings may not be so friendly to humans. According to CNET, the scientist recently expressed these thoughts during a 25-minute documentary called Stephen Hawking's Favorite Places on a fee-based platform called Curiosity Stream. During the program, he talks about Gliese 832c, which is considered one of the most potentially habitable planets known to exist in the universe thus far. CNET quotes Hawking as saying, one day we might receive a signal from a planet like this, but we should be wary of answering back. Meeting an advanced civilization could be like Native Americans encountering Columbus. That didn't turn out so well. In general, he believes those with greater technological capabilities tend to abuse less progressive groups, which could put humans at a disadvantage to aliens. Despite the fear, he wants to keep searching for extraterrestrial life. It is the mission behind his project Breakthrough Listen, which was launched last year. Um, and he kind of relates it down to, you know, whenever the the uh, Spanish came over and brought all the diseases with them and things like that, it didn't turn out real good for 
for the native inhabitants. So what what he's thinking is that they're either really smarter than us and they will look at us as inferior or they're going to bring something with them that could eventually destroy human civilization. So my question for you guys is should we try to contact aliens? And then not only that, but we've been sending signals out there for a long time, you know, I mean, I think it started back in the 70s, 77, I think, when we sent the gold record out, mm-hmm. Voyager. Um, so we've got something out there. If somebody tries to contact us, should we try to contact them back? You know, I just wanted to hear what your opinion was, if you think it's wise that we do that. Well, me, my own personal opinion, I, I would say, yeah. I, I To think that we're the only ones in the universe right now, you got to be asinine about that. You really do. So, yeah, I think we should try and make some contact with uh, with extraterrestrial or another life force out there. I, I really do. Now, is there the potential of a virus or something deadly? Yeah, there's a potential for that. Um, but if, like you were saying, he would think that they're smarter than us, I, I would totally agree because right now we can't do interstellar travel. All we can do is our solar system. We haven't even made it to Mars with a manned mission. So to have an, an alien come from another world, another universe, they would have to be a lot smarter than us. Yeah, and and I agree with you, Rob, because uh, I feel the same way. I think that if if we know there is other life forms out there, why wouldn't we want to communicate? Maybe they have uh, – uh, what I'm trying the to technology. say. The technology. The medical. Yeah, definitely. Maybe there's cures that they know about that – could help us out. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you have the possibility of opening it up to something yes. bad to happen. Yes. But on the other hand, you know, you, you have the possibility of it being a positive thing as well. Well, and I, here here is my thought, and I, and I can see y'all's will spinning as I get ready to talk about <laughs> aliens. But if there's something so advanced that it can squash us like a bug and we make contact with it, my thoughts are, it, it's going to find us whether we contact yes. it or not. Yes, right? I so agree. So if, if Independence Day is coming. <laughs> Independence 2? Yes, there you go. <laughs> if if it's coming at us, it's it's going to happen whether or not we invite them or ask for them anyway. And and, and then again, I'll take you back to, and, and I'll leave it, my thoughts at this is there are lots of people that say they're already here. So what does that, this conversation matter? So. Yes, they do say there are aliens among us. Um, I mean, and then we're going to get into the whole conspiracy theory again with the, the Greys, okay? Mm-hmm. If the Greys have already been here and already experimenting on us, because that's what everyone is saying, they're being probed and everything, and they're being experimented on. Um, if it's If it's already happening, maybe they're trying to find out if their diseases are going to kill us. Maybe or, that could be the probe. Or, or maybe they're finding out the way to kill us. That could be it, too. <laughs> could be. Yeah. But if they were here since what? The, the, when did Roswell happen? 1947. Exactly. So, and they're saying the Greys were then. So if the Greys are still going for, what, almost 50, 60 years now? I think they would have found a way to kill us by now. Oh, yeah. and Or they would have already done it. Yeah. I don't... I don't I, I don't think they would just be toying with us as some watching us mice crawl around inside their hamsters crawl around inside no, their tubes. No, I don't think so either. But I got to ask you guys a question now that you brought that up, Rob. Do you honestly think though that there wasn't 
times when they came before 1947. Oh, I, to, I wholeheartedly believe that. I mean, oh, see, and, and, you know, and, and we joked about it before, but, you know, the whole ancient astronaut. Yep, ancient right, astronaut, right. Right. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that, excuse me, I'm not going to say that, um, I'm about to sneeze. I apologize. <laughs> excuse me. Um, I'm not going to say that <laughs> aliens are the ones that built the pyramids. Why not? What I'm going to say is, is if they're visiting us now, they could have been visiting back then. Exactly. Well so, so anyway, that that's I think. So you don't you don't think the pyramids are a uh, launch pad for the alien craft? You know, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I've been watching Stargate again, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you get into some of the uh, more esoteric. You know, uh, there, there's some things out there that they could be. That could be alien related, but I think I it think could. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit as the human race. True, true. Um, you know, as far as ingenuity and things like that. And that's where we get in. We talked about you want to do a story on Atlantis, Rob. Maybe we need to try to go there. I've been reading some really good stuff, but like I know, said, I've been watching my Stargate, and of course, Stargate went to Atlantis. So yeah, I'm I'm still on that Atlantis kick. I'm I'm we're we're going to do a show on Atlantis, guaranteed. And uh, I, and that's good because there's a couple of sites that I would like to relate that to. But good. Anyway, so. Moving on from that, uh, my, my next topic is on and oh, and that last story uh, came from us came to us from Huffington Post, um, but this one actually came into us from unexplainedmysteries.com, and this is a thylacine video. Now, I know most people that's in this genre of of entertainment probably know what a thylacine is, but it's a Tasmanian tiger. The last one was known, last known living one was supposedly died at a zoo in 1936, and okay, and. Uh, but there's a sighting up on unexplainedmysteries.com, and it's making all the way all over. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. Uh, but it's a, a sighting that just came out last week, but it's from back in 2008, and it was on some grainy footage from an old tape, you know, then, VHS. And how do they know it was the actual tiger if it's on a grainy tape? Well, it's actually pretty clear, though. I don't I don't think it's – I mean, when I look at it and you hear the, the guy from the thylacine uh, – it's not the thylacine research unit. I've, I've got to – I don't have my link pulled up here. Um, they're talking about the way it's walking, and and I know I know Jeff watched it. I don't know if you got a chance no, to, I didn't get a chance yeah. yet. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but they're talking about the way it's it's walking, it's walking on its you know with its feet down like a thylacine did. It's got the long snout, it's got the the tail, the bushy tail. Um, I mean, of the thylacine videos that I've seen, there was one that came out about a month ago of one in a neighborhood that everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is the best. I think this is probably by far a better video that's out there. But the the main reason I wanted to bring this topic up is not whether or not you think it's real or not. My, my main thought is, is, you know, when you, when somebody says cryptozoology, what do you think of? Uh, something that hasn't Bigfoot? been. Yeah. Loch yeah, Ness Bigfoot. monster. There you go. Do you think, I mean, and this is where I, I take, now you know, they saw Nessie, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the seals. Yeah. Yeah. The seals. I was actually going to bring that up last week when we were going to try to record, but I well, I think that one's been beating to the ground, but that I think that seals Well, good. let me throw this in real quick. I just happened to to look up what the definition of cryptozoology is. It says, the search for and study of animals whose existence or survival is disputed or ups, uh, unsubstantiated. So I guess my question is, is, if they had one in a zoo and they've had several other ones – 
I don't see that that would fall under cryptozoology. No, I don't either. But it then. says disputed, and that's and that that's the whole reason I brought this up is is I, again I'm really interested in the thylacine research because I think it's really cool if if they find thylacines that are that are out there. I think it's really cool that they've survived all these years and they've actually brought a you would have to have a breeding population to survive. Well, yeah. So I think it's really cool and would change the way science thinks a lot of times um, if this were to happen because. How could this be living on this island, you know, for which this was actually, this video was actually considered a mainland thylacine. But, um, um, so if, if I'm understanding you, they're trying to say that this is a crypto now because they've seen sightings of a, <coughs> of well, a creature that has been extinct. Well, no, just the, usually the thylacine or Tasmanian tiger, everybody classifies it in cryptozoology. So my question is, is should it, would it should it really be classified as cryptozoology? I would say no. If if we've already yeah. had them and they've been extinct, then it's not because Bigfoot. Where, where's the proof on Bigfoot? Exactly. There is none. Yeah. Where's the proof on the Loch Ness monster? There is none. We had proof that these existed, so it cannot be a crypto creature. It would be under once extinct. Oh, we rediscovered it. See, and that's my thoughts, and that's what made it come to my attention because. When I was looking up this video, every time I would find this video, it was on all these white sites had it listed under cryptozoology, and I thought, to me, that's more science. I, I don't, right? I, I don't think it goes well, there. Well, what family is the this tiger from? Is it a true tiger or no? It's actually a marsupial. Okay, it's it's related to kangaroos and that sort. Of. It, actually, okay. what I read was that the pouch faces rearward. Um, it kind of falls into the kind of. I, and, I, and I'm probably going to misquote this, but it's kind of like a dingo, but a marsupial. Okay. Okay. So are they predominantly only found in Australia? New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Okay. Very good. Interesting. Not New Zealand. Uh, Tasmania. Duh. That's that's why they call it the yeah, Tasmanian Tasman devil. Tasmanian tiger. What? What devil? But that's what this video was actually what they considered a mainland thylacine, which the the skeptics on thylacine research say that there's no way that they that they they're on the mainland because you, that would never have, you know, never happen, which I mean, I don't know if you know the, the Tasmanian tigers were real abundant and that back in the 1800s, I guess it was late 1800s. The government came out there and said, we got to kill them all because they're destroying the crops. They're, they're doing all this. So they actually killed the last one of them off in like 1906. And then there was some in a zoo and it died in 1936. Okay. The last one that was there. Yeah. But I think it would be neat if it survived that it was able yeah, to. Yeah, if it was able to survive. Um, but We could like to link that back to the first topic of, you know, we went, human civilization went to Tasmania and wiped out a species. Well, so when we talked about alien making contact. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can, I could see that connection. All right, then I'll move on along here. The uh, the next one, and I, and I find this one really interesting, and, and not for the reasons you think. I'm not so interested in it as far as. UFO. UFO as much as I am the technology behind it, but it's a police helicopter. It it that filmed in in the UK filmed a UFO. On so the UK, camera. this is UK now. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this this also came from Unexplained Mysteries, but it's all over uh, the web. And actually, what happened was was the police put it up on their YouTube page, and the uh, police. <laughs> Sorry, the dog's like whining at my leg. Here. The uh, the police put it up on their YouTube page and said, "Hey, if anybody knows what this is, please contact us because we need some help." So the helicopter's flying along and it spots something on its thermal camera that was not spotted on its regular cameras or with naked eyes. And uh, if 
you, if you, we'll put a link up in the show notes, but if you follow, if you look at that video, it's showing a, what to me, what it almost, when they're zoomed out, it almost looks like the typical acorn style. It's kind of got that shape, but when they zoom in real close, it's like an orb, a typical saucer with the, you know, the flashing saucer. Right. Almost like you see from the NASA footage that supposedly gets cut off every time that you, uh, <laughs> you know, that the, the camera watches and then they clip the footage whenever they see it. It's kind of those little circle flashings. Right. So anyway, it's, it's some pretty good footage. I think it's pretty neat. And I find it interesting that the police put it up and said, Hey, what is this kind of thing? I mean, it, it could be a drone. It could be, I mean, there's lots of things it could be. Um, although it wasn't visible from any other video source or with the naked eyes now, but my question for you guys is, and the technology has been out so long and we use thermal cameras and ghost hunting and things like that. Do you think this is going to change the dynamic of future, uh, UFO hunters out looking at the skies with thermal with cameras, thermal cameras? Cause I know like, you know, right now I go out, I, I go outside every night and I, I always stare at the stars and always look up and just, I, I, it's just kind of like my Zen, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Do you think that now you're going to have people that are just focused? Because you don't hear a lot about it now. I'm sure there's people that do. Oh, I'm sure, do yeah. That, but do you think that's going to change the dynamic of UFO hunting? Um, I, I would have to see the video. I haven't yeah, seen I don't, the video. I, I don't really have a say on it right now because I don't, I don't what, know what the video looks like. What is the video? What, what's the video page? It is. Here, I'll bring it up on mine and you All can right. see. Yeah, you go ahead, bring it up, and then... Um, I'll go ahead and bring it up. It's on YouTube, right? Is it? Yes. Okay. <coughs> but I, I think that it's going to be a, uh, I, I think that it has the potential for your average everyday person. Right. And uh, the way they view things. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. So um, here I got it. up. Oh, I mean, you got it up. And uh, I'll let you look at that there. Again, now this you can't tell how big it is, and actually it says that it's difficult to judge the size. But they filmed it for over seven minutes. Oh, so it's unexplained mystery. Unexplained mysteries. Well, that's that's where I pulled it up, and it's all over YouTube and everything else. All right. And it is flying over the Bristol Channel in the UK. Okay. Southwell's police were in fact so perplexed by the sighting that they posted the video on Twitter. See above, which the link there, I, I'm not going to read like all. No, no, you, you go ahead and uh, if you want, go ahead and read it so they can do it. And what I'm going to try and do, since how we're recording video, I think I can get it to where it records the actual web page. That way we can go ahead and show it on there okay. to everyone and they can take a look at it as well. Um, so it's on YouTube, right? Right. All right. The, uh, the site is unexplainedmysteries.com. What, what do you think it would be under UK, uh, helicopter? Police helicopter films UFO. Try that. Okay. All right. So. That humming in the background was the video of the helicopter. The But that that was basically my my thoughts on the whole thing is now that a police agency has put this out, 
do you think that more people will be turning to thermal cameras to just sitting around and scan the, especially with this cheapest? I was looking the other day, and you can buy a FLIR that clips onto your iPhone or your Android for like $189. Well, I think I think you'll have those that, you know, that are that no. are into the the whole UFO scene that will probably, you know, purchase them and want to do it. You know, as right. ghost hunters, we've been using that kind of stuff. I say ghost hunters lightly, yeah. but yeah, don't slap yeah. me. Then, um, but, yeah. you know, ghost hunters have been using that the thermal stuff for a long time. But you don't hear much about, you know, UFO hunters out right. scanning, just sitting there filming the sky with thermals. Anyway. Okay, so what's what's your next story about? And th- this one, we talked about it a while back, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Um, there was an article in at ubmedia.biz that, uh, and I'm not going here again for what you guys think, but the... Uh, Excuse me. Basically, there's been a lot of break-ins at Skinwalker Ranch. You know, we talked about before how tight the security right. was and things. Right. And um, so I've got a couple of places I want to go on this. My first thing is, though, is when I was reading the article about these break-ins at Skinwalker Ranch, something that I should have caught because, I mean, I read so much stuff on, especially if I see Skinwalker Ranch, I read it. But in um, April of this year, the ranch was sold from the National Institute for Discovery Scientists Science um was sold to another company. And where where this is where I'm going with this is um it says on July eighteenth, Basin resident Thomas Winterton represented ranch owner Adamantium Real Estate LLC um in their request for the vacation of Higgins which they they're the ones that purchased this property. So when I read that, I, I almost I almost laughed out loud because I mean, do you know what adamantium is? Yes, I do. I'm I'm, I'm a big X Men fan, so that's Wolverine. That's the metal for Wolverine. It's a fictional metal. Well, yeah. For oh, X Men characters. Yep. So <laughs> my question was: Is do you think that I mean, to me, this is almost like conspiracy fodder right off the bat. You have a fictional organization. Well, just because you, you don't know it's fictional. A, a, a fictional it's type fictional, name. Yeah, fictional type name. Well, maybe because it's was fictional, maybe someone did go ahead and make up that name. I mean, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but it's almost just like conspiracy. Yes, I, I, I read I, that I, and I thought, what, what the heck? I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But... I'm going to tie these my last my last story in with this one. So, you remember, and, I, and I, we talked about it before. We we actually investigated a local cemetery a long time ago when we yes. first started up. Yes, we did. And right, you, some stuff made the news. Yep. And then right after that, this cemetery was vandalized. Yes. Well, as more and more of this happens, I, I was watching. I was reading the news the other day, and you know, here back in the summer, a ghost hunter couple was killed on a railroad track. Yeah. Then you've got these people breaking into Skinwalker Ranch. This this owner says that they've woken up to people staring in their windows with flashlights at them and things like that. And then, so I have this, this whole set of articles here, and then I read this article that was over at Phantoms and Monsters, 
um, which it's all over the news right now too, about Paranormal State's Ryan Buell and his legal issues. Now this guy, if it goes on to say, you know, uh, Chip Coffee was involved with this tour with him, and he said at last count he had ticket sales in excess of eighty thousand dollars. There's been no shows that this guy was supposedly putting on. Yeah. Um, his mom puts out a Facebook message that says, "Please stop supporting him. Please don't." He, it, he's because the thing was he says he has cancer and that's why he couldn't do it. And his mom basically says he don't have cancer. He's sick, but it's not cancer. Right. And his family knows what's going on. An update to an I-Team troubleshooter investigation now involving a celebrity ghost hunter with local ties accused of ripping off his fans. He's now behind bars. Diane Wilson is here with the latest, Diane. Guys, Ryan Buell is a celebrity ghost hunter who once lived here in Raleigh. Now he's behind bars and his mom is speaking out, begging his fans to stop enabling him. And she says he needs help. Ryan Buell looks much different in this mugshot than fans are used to seeing the celebrity ghost hunter. Buell was arrested this week facing charges of theft and receiving stolen property. Buell, who has a huge following, is known as a paranormal expert who appeared on the cable TV series Paranormal State, looking for ghosts or trying to prove that life after death is real. Buell was a focus of a troubleshooter investigation in 2014 when fans said he did his own disappearing act by selling tickets to his conversation. Conversations with the Dead tour, but then canceling those shows and not refunding ticket holders money. After my story, some fans did get their refunds, but Buell didn't stop attracting fans. He continued to offer events and merchandise for sale, and I continued to get complaints that he didn't deliver. Now the law has caught up with Buell. He's facing three different charges in Pennsylvania, where Buell was last known to be living. His mom also speaking out on Buell's public Facebook page. She writes to Buell's fans, Please stop enabling his situation by sending money, buying tickets to events that may never occur, buying merchandise, phone calls you may never get, paying money to watch him on Twitch, and giving him offers of shelter. She goes on writing, I'm pleading with you out of love for my son, and I'm frightened by what his situation has become. Currently, Buell remains in jail in South Carolina. The charges are from State College Police in Pennsylvania, where Buell was last living. Guys, back to you. A desperate message from his mother, too, there, Diane. Yeah, tough love from mom. Mm -hmm. So you have these people breaking in there. You have people going out and the people that were killed. And, and, and I'm not knocking them in any any way. It was a, That was a sad event. But, you know, if you've ever been anywhere like to the railroad crossings and things like, I mean, it's actually illegal to get on a railroad trestle. So they broke the law by getting on that. Then these people breaking into Skinwalker Ranch. And then you have this Ryan Buell, which, I mean, when Paranormal State first came out, I really liked that yeah. show. It yeah, it was, it was a good show. And, uh, I haven't watched it in a few years. I don't even know if it's actually still put on. But what do you think that this is doing to the state of paranormal investigations as a big picture. I mean, especially as we fight, you know, I say fight and I mean that lightheartedly with cynic skeptics as far as, you know, yeah, you know, if, if they, you know, cause their, their case a lot of times is, is if one thing is proven false, then your whole argument is invalid. Right. Yes. So that, that's my question is what do you think it does for the, 
for the real people out researching? I mean, how do you think it's going to affect it long term? Well, I mean, I think for a while, you know, as with anything, when a news story comes out, you get a lot of publicity over it, you know, for maybe a week or so, maybe a month, depending upon the time of the year. It may get more now that we're getting closer to Halloween. Right. But, but I think, yeah, overall, it probably is, it gives true paranormal researchers, investigators a black eye. Because they're like, well, look, you're probably just like that person who's, yeah. you know, conning people out of money or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think probably for a while that happens. And, and that was my thought. You know, the thing is, is every time I turn around, it seems like I see something stupid in the news. And it just it kind of makes me mad a lot of times. But Well, but, I mean, as we've been doing this since, you know, the beginning of 2008, I mean, think about the times that we've gone out and talked to people. Right off the bat, a lot of people, when you say that you're involved in paranormal yeah. investigation, the first thing they want to do is cut you off. Exactly. You know, and and that's fine. They are entitled to their own opinions yes. on on the whole paranormal uh, arena. But you know, they have their opinions, and no matter what, just with this case, if they read it, they're going to say, "Great, here's another paranormal person that's doing this," and and they're going to have those opinions, and they're entitled to them. But that's where we, I think, is as paranormal investigators that truly care about what we're doing we need to get the word out that you know there is reasons why we're doing what we're doing and we're out there to help people and you brought up a good point because you know and you're right there's times when you say that and people give you the deer in the headlights look but again on that same token when we talk to a lot of people and they're hesitant but as soon as they realize that you're actually interested in what they have to say and you don't think they're crazy i mean they're the majority of people I know will come up with the story yeah. that they've had, you know, right. some sort of experience or something like that. Well, so. that's like I'll go to work and um, I'll sometimes wear my MPI shirt to work. Yeah. And I haven't worn it in a while. And this one guy that's been working on swing shift, he saw me wearing it. He's like, is that a made up thing? I was like, no. He's like, oh, you're one of those guys. I was yeah. like, what do you mean by one of those guys? The conspiracy guys. He's like, no, I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's yeah. you. I was like, I'm, I'm a paranormal investigator. He's like, well, explain to me what the difference is yeah. than one of those guys. I was like, well, what, what do you think of one of those guys? He's like, you know, one of those crackpots that go out there and they chase the ghosts and everything. I was like, no, that's not what we do. We approach something. If someone says they have a problem, that's what we're going to find. We're trying to solve the problem with our logic. Right. I'm not going out there chasing everything, anything. I'm going out there to try and help someone that says they have paranormal activity. Like this case that we may have here this week. She is claiming that she has paranormal activity. Okay, so we're going to go out there and we're going to look. She honestly believes that something is in her house. Right. Is it? We don't know. But we're going to go out there and use our scientific methods to try and find a logical explanation for it. And but that being said, how do you how do you approach that? In the, you know, all these make national because that's what makes the big headlines is the bad stories. You know yes. I mean? Well, and I, then every time that there is a real, you know, for example, you know, the Loch Ness story. I mean, that that was it wasn't a blob squatch photo. I mean, it was a clear picture and all that. But when you read a lot of the headlines, they're all like. You know, you can hear the theme music playing. You can hear the tone right. of the reporter's voice. You can hear all of these things as as they're discussing it. So anyway, I just didn't know if you thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, it probably will. Like, you I think it's something that can be moved on. Later. Yeah, it can be. You know, it, with the right approach, and and it can be moved on. Yeah. And I, and I really hate to to obviously, Mister Buell has some some issues going on. I hope that he can get help for it. But I, I, that's uh, I just I hate to hear that. And I know there's a lot of people that are really frustrated about that. But I want to look into this. Someone buying Skinwalker Ranch. Okay, we all just look at so, <laughs> the light just came on. Yeah, the, I have no clue why I just did that, but hey. If you're watching the video, it probably got really right. It, it probably did, yeah. I, I haven't even looked at the video in a while. Um, but uh, I, I know we said that the show that we're going to be doing is on uh, life. Near-death experience. Near-death experiences uh, and everything, and we really haven't talked about that. So what do you say we take a commercial break real quick, and uh, from there, then we'll come back and we'll talk about that stuff. What do, you, what do you all think? Sounds good. Works for me. All right, so we'll uh, talk to you guys later in a little bit, and we'll be uh, right back. You're listening to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio, NPIR. Yeah, look at my <laughs> Do you have what it takes to be a paranormal investigator? Or would you like to be part of a new online research team? Military Paranormal Investigations has openings in both areas. There are no requirements for experience, equipment, or even an advanced understanding of the paranormal. Just a desire for the truth. MPI membership acceptance is primarily based on character and level of commitment to the organization. MPI is looking for dedicated individuals with certain personalities that are willing to investigate the paranormal with an open mind. We are not an outlet to investigate or experience the paranormal through the thrill of a ghost hunt. If you are truly interested in learning the ways to research and explain the paranormal with a professional team, then Military Paranormal Investigations is for you. MPI personnel use their individual experiences and knowledge from different backgrounds to help explain possible reasons for any claimed paranormal activity. We are skeptics dedicated to finding facts by eliminating or revealing any possible scientific explanations for such phenomena. For more information or to apply for membership, visit www.militaryparanormal.com or email us at contact.us at mpi-paranormal.com. The truth is to be found. Not available in all areas. For safety reasons, all applicants must be 16 years old. Paranormal study may cause heart attacks, scared to death, or hospital possession of one or other. NPI is not responsible for any injuries or discomfort caused by anything paranormal in order. Brought to you by Military Paranormal Investigations. No affiliation to any branch of the military. on our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Military Paranormal Investigations. Once again, I am Rob. I'm Jeff. And I'm Mike. And uh, right before the commercial break, we were actually talking about a whole bunch of news out there. And our tonight's show, we were actually supposed to be talking about... Near-death experiences. And we haven't talked a word about that. So, why don't we get into that right now? Okay. Sounds good. I think 
the term near death experience <laughs> was uh, coined by Dr. Raymond Moody in 1975 in his book Life After Death. Um, and he many con- many give him the credit for bringing it to all, to the public's attention of near death experiences. And you know, I, there, when I read into this, I didn't realize that the topic was was so broad. Um, you know, if you go to any of the any of the websites, I mean, it's just page after page after page of information. But I think that the the big thing is is most every one of them, they all have very similar traits. And it's the the bright light at the end of the tunnel, um, the out of body experience of maybe floating over, you know, floating over their body or witnessing what's going on when they're doing that. And actually, there's some put some pictures up a while back of of a death what, scene. You, you, you found that? pictures? No, no, near death experience. But I just thought about that of an out of body experience. It's like a motorcycle wreck or something on the freeway, mm-hmm. and there's like a image going above it. Now, when I was checking out the near-death experience, of course, everyone's going out there and looking at all the websites. And the first one that I came up to was near-death.com. Mm-hmm. Right. And I went in there because, like I said, I'm, I'm not an expert on any of this information. It's just something that we're looking at. Um, I've never had a near-death experience. Um, so I've never come anywhere close to dying. So I have to rely on other people's experience. And I went to this website and... There is a lot of information on this website if you go there. And what I did is I seen afterlife evidence because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the evidence. Right. What's the evidence? A story to me is not really evidence because that's one person's experience. Right. Um, so I need that evidence. So I click on there, and it talks about uh, Dr. Kenneth Ring, the first thing, how he published a scientific paper on the study in the summer of 1993. And he one of his first thing that he talks about is a story from um, this one lady that was having, I believe, brain surgery, um, saying that people have near-death experiences when they're dead. Um, and it was there was a book published by a cardiologist, uh, Michael Saborn, and he described a near-death experience that occurred to one of his patients that he had to do some brain surgery on. She was having an aneurysm or something, and he wrote a book on it, and... He was he was telling us how the patient was completely uh, flatlined. What they had to do was bring her her body temperature down to about sixty degrees Fahrenheit, and then completely drain all the blood from her head, which I thought was really weird. But um, then they said that she was completely flatlined, um, to where they were putting her as a hypothermic cardiac arrest. And then he performed the surgery on her because, like I said, they had to remove this um, uh, aneurysm or a giant aneurysm from her brain. So they put her in, they put her under and everything, and then they completed the surgery. And when she got done, she complained her near-death experience as she was uh, floating over her body. Um, she said that she was able to describe the saw that uh, he used to cut her head open. And she also described one of the um, nurses there, a nurse, a female, saying that her veins were too small or something like that. And then she went into, like you were saying, the whole tunnel vision thing. She went in on this long tunnel with this light, 
And at the end, she saw all her loved ones, uh, saw her grandmother, her uncle, um, great-grandmother, and all that. And when her surgery was getting done, um, she came back, but the grandmother didn't want to take her back. Um, So the uncle took her back, and they brought her back into the, the emergency room, and he told her that she had to go, had to get back in her body. And she said she really didn't know how to do it. Now, the entire time, she said that they weren't talking. It was just communicated to her, kind of like a telepath. And when she got into her body, she said it was like jumping into a freezing pool to where it was really cold. And then she also remembered that when she was floating above, that her head wasn't really shaved. It was only partially shaved. She thought it was going to be completely shaved off. And she was just saying that she heard everything. She even heard um, before the tunnel, she heard the saw cranking up. She heard the motor vibrating. Um, She said she heard all this stuff. So the doctor was intrigued about this. And the surgery went without a hitch, not a problem. She woke up, and that was her near-death experience. My thing is, if you have a surgeon that is going to be doing major surgery on you, He's going to tell you what he's going to do to you. Yeah. So her knowing about the saw, if I'm going to have a major surgery, I'm going to look up what they're going to do to me. Sure. And then. What year was this in? 93 or something? This was in 93 when uh, the doctor wrote the. uh, 93 when he published the paper on this. um, The Dr. Michael Sandman wrote his book, Life and Death. Um, and that one was <coughs> a near-death experience of a Pam Reynolds. And the book was in uh, November of 1998 is when it was written. Hmm. So it's just a past experience. He began in 1994 with the different studies and all. He was putting a bunch of case studies, uh, this doctor. And he's a medical doctor, and it's called Life, Light and Death. And he talks about about 50 individuals who returned from death's door, if you would. But he's telling of other people's experiences. I really can't see the correlation of someone having that experience, especially when it's a medical procedure and not knowing what they're going to do to you. Can I explain the flying over their body and looking down at them? No, but when you're doing a emergency procedure and you're going to be put under anesthetic, your brain is going to be getting different chemicals because we don't know how the brain works. Right. So how do we know that that anesthesia is not interfe- uh, affecting right. what she's seeing, a hallucination? Well, if- and, and I see where you're going with that. How do you know that? There's not something going on there. That's where I'm going to go in a minute. My my question for you is, is what about, you know, traumatic accidents? Or what about, and my other thing is, is also the spiritual aspect. When you, when you talk about that, there's so many of them. There's people that, lots of them relate to spiritual aspects. Yes. Like seeing Jesus, seeing God. Yes. And then there's also, on that note, is there are people that were not spiritual, religious before their accident. Okay. And they are now because they truly believe. But I, I I can see, and I'll, I should probably take that back because society has this image of what spiritualism yes is. So yes, so I, I can see that. 
Um, so you were saying your question to me would be someone that has a out of body experience. Is that the same as near death experience? Because of the accident? Well, no. I mean, you you were saying like how if she's going into surgery, she's yes. explained this is going on. Yes, these things are going on. But then you have someone a, that a guy okay. driving down the road runs off the road, hits a tree, sure. and has a near death experience. There's nothing to explain now, what was going on that they can witness from the out of body experience. The adrenaline. Because I know when I had my motorcycle accident, you you both saw me. I was up and walking around, and I shouldn't have been doing that at all. The adrenaline was pumping through me. Yeah. Well, and the reason I ask is, and I don't know if you're ready for me to go there yet. Go. My my theory on a near death experience, an out of body experience, even, is an altered state of consciousness. Now, there's a couple of books out there. The most recent one I've read, uh, and it, it kind of briefly touches on that part, I guess, is a uh, um, my, magic mysticism and the molecule, but it, in it, it talks about the pineal gland. Okay. If you, if I'm saying that correctly, you are, and how it, they tried to get it to release, you know, to see if it releases DMT because, you know, it, it's been, it's been studies have shown that people that are on DMT trips or magic mushrooms or whatever you want to call them, they're, their um, images that they're seeing is very similar to alien abductions and those sorts of things. Okay. It's, it's the very similar aspects of it. So my question is, is, or my, my theory on it may be, and or what I'm, what I lean towards with some of the stuff that I've read, somebody dies, their body dies. And we were talking about it before when it has been shown and as horrific as this is about to sound. If you, if you get decapitated, your brain lives for up to like a minute or two afterwards. Now it, what it does is it goes into shock and hopefully you don't remember any of that sort of tra- trauma that's happening to you. And you talked about it, about when they killed the mice, one of you guys, or Jeff yeah. was talking about that. When they kill the mice, they monitor their brain waves. So your body dies, your heart quits beating. And at that point in time, your body relaxes. Now it's, it's well, you know, when you, when you pass away, it's, most of the time you urinate, you defecate yourself as your body relaxes. Yeah. Is, can your body, can your brain, say the pineal gland, secrete chemicals that make your body have, your brain have hallucinations. Then they bring you back and something's happened so that you can remember those hallucinations. Mm-hmm. That would be my, my thought process on it. I, I don't know if, if, that's where a lot of studies and a lot of scientists go, and they think that's somewhere along the lines of, of where that's going. Um, I, I I don't know if you would consider that. I, I think you could also take that into. Oh, sorry. Wow. Sorry, sorry. That, that was loud. Scared the bejeebles out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I um. I think I jumped. I hope the camera caught that. <laughs> probably did. I, but, I was but, looking something up for you, but then you can take it from the aspect of: is it science, or are we getting into something deeper with altered states of consciousness, and maybe a collective consciousness? Um, you know, your brain is it capable of functioning beyond a level? You know, you, you go into out of body experience. Can your brain really see itself from being in, from an altered state of consciousness? Right. Does that make sense? 
So anyway, that's that's where I start losing everything because now the theories I could go. Yeah, you could go all over the place. Sorry, what, why you, why you say it like that? Now you were saying uh, it could also be a spiritual thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you were wondering does someone that wasn't spiritual has an out of body experience or a near death experience all of a sudden become religious or spiritual? What about an atheist? Right. Well, and I've read stories of atheists that have had a near-death experience that turned to religion after it because of what they witnessed during their near-death Okay. Experience. Now, so if everyone is saying that a near-death experience, you see the tunnel, you see the light, all that. But if an atheist doesn't believe in that, are they going to see hell? But then that's the thing. The commonality of it all, though, is the light at the tunnel the spirit beings that they that they call it, which is uh, spiritual entities. It's not. I don't know if you could consider it. Maybe some religious people consider that an angel, um, but even non-believers have gone to religion after their near-death experience because of what they witness. They go down the tunnel, they ascend, they go to a higher being. They have the spirit beings that they talk to. So. That's, you know, when we were talking about earlier about, you know, she he explained to her what's going to happen with the drill. Right. So is she remember that and recalling that? Right. Or is she hearing those things subconsciously? Correct. And, and so she's able to witness those things. But now you have a a non-believer okay. that has a near-death experience and can recall right. these things that are very similar to what a believer has said. Is it is that because of society and the image of what religion is supposed to be? Or is that... Because they're truly witnessing the same thing. Well, see, and that was the thought I had is, as you were talking there, is the experiences that people have, whether it be floating above themselves or seeing a light, is that something that's just because we've been told that that's the way these right. experiences are, is it just something that's that's in our mind, that that's how we see it? Right. Kind of like the grays. Right. Everyone said this is what the grays look like. Right. So not everyone is seeing exactly. and the gray alien with the big black eyes. Exactly. My thought on uh, on near death experiences our our minds we are are so complex and we only use so much of our mind. Um, and when you start putting anesthetics and mm-hmm. and all different medicines onto it, it, yes, and we and we go to that death state. I believe. Yes, there are times that true experiences do happen. We had that the story that came out a couple years ago about heaven is for real. Yes, um, with a little boy. How can a little boy explain things that he was never told? Right. You know, so to me, that's that's hard to understand. But being a paranormal investigator, you know, we we are skeptics, and yes. the whole paranormal realm is is hard for some people. But I think. Our minds can be manipulated, I think, with with drugs and thoughts and everything else, that are we truly experiencing the near-death experiences, or is it just something in our mind? And and I agree with that, and I think that you say the chemicals and the drugs that are introduced, but also when – and I know there's been studies and things, and we still, as science, as a community, doesn't fully understand how the brain – Functions. That's why they're still yeah. studying it to this day. Yes. Right. So when you pass away, does the brain do things? Right. You know that also aid in that with the drugs and all those things. There's, there's, there's some sort of chemical 
change occur that creates these thought patterns. And then that's where it gets into altered states of consciousness again. And then, and then I, I do have conflict in myself because I read some of these stories and I think to myself, well, you know, it, it, it's truly amazing to understand, you know, and we talk about it all the time, you know, you and I have had an experience, uh, investigating right. from a haunting standpoint of things. Right. There is nothing that you and I will ever do to portray yeah. what we had experienced. Exactly. So, so that's me as I'm sitting back listening to these near death experiences. It's hard for me sometimes to understand it. And I do, I take my personal beliefs into it, but like you said, then I have my, my skeptical side that right. wants to prove it another way. I mean, I know I, I, I believe that the brain, when we get into altered states of consciousness, I believe that our brain is capable, like you said, of way more than yeah. it's, you know, we experience on a day to day basis. Well, I mean, think about that. We, we, our minds allow us to dream. You know, we have the uh, phenomenon of sleep paralysis you right. know, where people feel like there's something on them, but it's nothing more than their mind is waking up, but their body isn't. Right. And, and that's the, you know, lucid dreaming and those sorts of, right. of of things. I mean, but now your body technically died and it's ceasing to function as normal. So is your, is your brain... I keep bringing that up. I'm queuing <laughs> so, so something up. Sorry about that. So I guess the question that I have is, are near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences the same thing? That That's what I was going to bring up. And there's... When I was doing this research, <coughs> you're, you're biting at the bit, aren't you? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> when I was doing this research, um, I, I wanted to see the difference between uh, near-death experiences and between someone that is spiritual and what an atheist. So I went to an atheist page to find out what they thought about near-death experiences. And this one guy, he calls himself the absolute atheist. And he posted an article that apparently had uh, this lady that wanted to find out about near-death experience. She was very spiritual. And what she did is uh, she wanted to find out how to self-induce a near-death experience. So the article says that she would talk to this neuroscience and her neurologist, and they told her the best way to do it is to go into a deep coma. So she... Went to Mexico and found this child that was having um, a serious illness, and she wanted to get a blood transfusion from the child, and she would pay for that child to go ahead and do rehab. So she got the blood transfusion, and she got put into a coma for 30 days, a deep coma. And when she came out of the coma, she said there was absolutely nothing. Didn't see nothing, didn't remember nothing, no near-death experience. And so everyone that said you would have this near-death experience, everyone lied to her. So she said that she converted from Christianity to atheism because she didn't believe anymore that something was out there. Now, she did – hold on. She did an article. I'm, I'm going to get to something. She did an article with this person and telling about how she didn't have anything and uh, everything that she did about this. Well – I, I did some more digging and everything, and that never happened. Okay, it was just the 
uh, absolute atheist, putting an article out there to see what type of responses he would get from everyone. And there was a lot of people from the spiritual side coming at him with all the scripture and everything. And he would use the scripture right back at them saying, don't you lie at me and everything. Don't spread your 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 lies and all your trash talking and everything. And um, there was one person down there that wrote something that was both good and bad and it made me think and they posted a video link to a very famous skeptic that we all know quite well James Randi mm, okay all right and he talks about his out of body experience all right and i wanted to play that for you so that you can watch it and listen to it it's about 7 minutes long and i i found that this was great really great so that's what I got queued up, all right? And I'm going to put it on for you folks as well to where you can listen to it, and hopefully I can get the video going. So just watch this and listen, and that's – after watching this video, I, I kind of take his stance towards it. So let me go ahead and queue this up over here. We're going to transition it. This is somewhat different. I'm looking into an astrologer's claims, or I'm looking into some sort of a – of a pseudoscientific thing, pretty well. He's actually doing a, a lecture here at Caltech, but I and this is just a small excerpt that occurred to me. We all have the easy answer of, well, I guess that's a ghost, or it must be paranormal. It could be poltergeist, and we walk away from it because we can't or won't look a little further into it. Some years ago, when I lived in New Jersey, uh, well, my house, I must tell you, first of all, is a strange sort of a place. It's sort of a Wayside stop for itinerant magicians, conjurers, mountebanks, various characters of ill repute who will come by, identify themselves to me, and there's always a spare bedroom or a sleeping bag available to someone or other. And uh, I often walk in, I see people there I've never seen before in my life, and pretty soon I get to think that I don't want to see them again, either because they drink <laughs> up all my beer and never contributes. <laughs> I, uh, I came home after a couple of days away by car, I was very, very tired, and... Um, came in on a weekend, it was a Saturday night, and my foster son Alexis was in the kitchen, and he was helping a couple of magicians drink up the beer. And uh, I walked in and I said, guys, I'm very, very tired, I'm going to bed, I'll see you in the morning, and they said fine, and I guess they carried on until late that night. I went in, fell asleep, woke up the next morning, came staggering into the kitchen in time to see them eating up more of my groceries in the form of breakfast at this time, sat down, got a half a cup of coffee into me and straightened up at the table. And Alexis looked at me, my foster son, he said, what's with you? I said, wow, I think last night I might have actually had a classic example of the OOBE. That's the out-of-body experience. <laughs> you see, when scientists or parapsychologists even uh, are, able to, are able to express something in two or three words or a word with three or four sim uh, syllables in it, it immediately becomes scientific. So they call this out-of-body experience, it's hyphenated, and it sounds pretty good, O-O-B-E. It means that you somehow find yourself out of your body and looking down on it or from a distance or whatever. And Alexis looked at me and said, sure, you? And I said, hey, got to be honest, it appears to me as if I did undergo such an experience. Okay, give us a description. And the two magicians at the table leaned closer over their bacon and eggs and wanted to hear what I had to say. I said, well, I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I remember last night I, I couldn't get to sleep. I was super tired, but then, of course, as soon as you hit the mattress, you're staring at the ceiling. 
and that happened to me. So I turned on the television receiver and uh, it had some program or other on it. And um, it went on and on and on and I guess I fell asleep. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I felt that I was in a position like this spread eagle against the ceiling of my bedroom. And I'm looking down at this bed, rather large bed. I crash around a lot at night. And um, Alice, who was my black cat at that time, of course, was curled up in the middle of the bed so that I had to be way over at one side, and I was way over at one side trying not to disturb the cat. Of course, you wouldn't dare do that. <laughs> She's taken the exact center of the bed, curled up in a big black ball, and as I'm up against the ceiling, I notice that the room is lit in sort of a grayish light. Look down at the television set, it's and there's static all over the screen. You know, the white noise sort of thing, and confetti on the screen. And that's illuminating the room. And I'm seeing myself in bed, scrunched over at one side, and this big chartreuse sort of a green bedspread on it with Alice, the black cat, in the middle of it. And I noted that as she opened up her eyes, she had green eyes the same color as the bedspread. It almost looked like two holes punched right through her head. It was, and she looked at me, and as cats do, she went, and went right back to sleep. <laughs> now, that was a very strong experience for me, folks. And I could tell you right now at this moment, yes, I really believe, believe, I'm not convinced of it, but I believe from the evidence that's presented to me, I had an out-of-body experience that matches the description that we've all heard about so many times. But fortunately for me, in a way, I'm not... Uh, really dead set against having my belief structure disturbed or having new facts come in that will disturb my previous convictions in matters. It doesn't really disturb me that much, but fortunately for you, so that I can give you this anecdotal experience, which I think is very powerful, and fortunately for me, I am able to tell you what actually had happened. Alexis looked at me and he said, I got two things to show you. He went to the foot of the stairs he came up with a big transparent laundry bag. He had taken it halfway down. He never took it all the way down to the laundry room. He took it halfway down. That's the way kids do. And uh, he brought it all the way upstairs. And inside, I noted, <coughs> sheets, pillowcases, and the chartreuse bedspread. He said, that's been here there since yesterday. Then I don't have the chartreuse bedspread on my bed. I dashed to the door, looked in, and it was this, oh, God. I lost it someplace, thank goodness. Um, it is a terrible hunting scene. I don't know where I got it. Somebody left it. I don't know. But it was the only one that I used when the other one was in the laundry. He had taken that one off, put it in the laundry, and the other one was on there. So I couldn't have seen Alice in the middle of a hunting scene. I would have noticed that. And he said, look out on the patio. I looked outside. He said, Harry here, one of the magicians, is highly allergic to cats. I put her out yesterday around 4 in the afternoon. She hasn't been in the house since and she's not very happy about it all. And I looked out, and there she was on the patio and had been out all night. She could not have been in the bedroom, curled up in the middle. It was a dream, an hallucination, if you will. It could not have happened physically. I had two very good pieces of evidence that it could not have happened. Now, that's important, folks, in that if I did not have either one or both of those pieces of evidence, I would now have to say to you, to the best of my knowledge, I had an out-of-body experience. But all the other out-of-body experiences we hear of, we have to wonder now. Those folks are not quite as skeptical about the subject as I am in most cases. If they don't have some convincing evidence to the contrary, what's to stop them from saying, I'm absolutely certain I've had an out-of-body experience because there is no other explanation for it except 
the possible and rather parsimonious conclusion that they were either dreaming or had some sort of a um, hallucination, whatever. It might have been a bad pork chop, for all we know. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I know you are. are. <laughs> now, I ask you to consider that carefully, and please don't forget it, because it is a good example of how even the arch-skeptic, haha, could possibly have been taken in. For more of James Randi. Okay. okay. That, and I get why you, you got that, because he had evidence as to how it couldn't be. Right. So I have two questions. I have two comments. And then I have a comment. I'm going to follow it up with a question. Okay. That was a classic example of this happened to me. So everything else has to be this. So he's saying, I had this and I had some evidence, though it was not an out-of-body experience. Right. Therefore, all you other people that had out-of-body experience, just because you can't have evidence means nothing to me. So my question followed up with that is, are you willing to say that every other out-of-body experience, near-death experience, is not something paranormal, something supernatural, something along those lines, just because one case had evidence? No, that I'm not okay. going. I'm, no, nowhere near that. But I am saying all this research that I've done, everything I've done has been doctors documenting someone else's stuff. Where is the evidence all I'm reading is a book. Right. Where is the video of because people are actually doing the out of body experiences and the near death experience research. Yeah, and, and there's people that do the lucid dreaming and out of body yes. experience exercises that they yes. do themselves. Yes. Um, but where is that evidence? And, and I and I see what you're saying. There's a there's a yes. Most of everything. As far as near-death experience is based on some sort of faith, some sort of religion, and that's fine. I, I get that. I'm, I'm not going against anyone's religious. I'm, I'm, I'm not. But are we to take everything on faith alone as a near-death experience or not a body experience? Well, and I, I don't agree with that either. I okay. Mean, yeah. I mean, no. I, and and that to me again, that's when you say, "Where is the evidence?" When I look at this and I look at studies and I look at the books that I have read, mm -hmm. they all kind of correlate back to basically, and I've said the term about a hundred times, an altered state of consciousness. And so that being said, I'm not saying that there aren't, they aren't spiritual. I believe that if you had it, if you, if your brain shuts down and then all these things happen in your brain in an altered state of consciousness, that I believe that if you're spiritual, that's what's going to be comfort to you. That, well, if you are not, this is what you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, and I was, and this is why I was waiting to say this. I, I've read stories of atheists, yes, of non-believers mm -hmm. that have had a near-death experience, and then and then they converted. They, convert, they, they have, but on that note, I I believe, and I would have to do research. I'm only saying this off the cuff, right? I believe that they probably had some sort of tugging in their life already okay you know maybe they maybe their parents were religious and somewhere along the way they lost you know they lost their way or they 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 had something that said well that can't be there and then they had this experience they see the classic examples because this is what your brain right does and they relay link that back to spirit spiritual and, and so that's where they go there and, and that's why i said in the beginning just like people that use DMT or mushrooms or, mm. you know, Gotta have the shrooms. Or, 
ayahuasca, all of these different uh, chemical. Go to the spirit world, right? Their their hallucinations are eerily similar to alien abductees, contactees. They are extremely similar. So when I say that is, and and and, and I'm not saying all this, I'm just going to link this. I'm trying to link the three together. Right. So you have somebody that is known doing a drug. Okay. And they have a hallucination. Yes. Then you have somebody that says they were sleeping in their bed and they were abducted. So (laughs) you have two possibilities here is the way I see it. Okay. They were abducted and the hallucination from the drug induced. Okay. Was an altered state of consciousness, interdimensional. I know, I, I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, or you have a drug induced and somebody sleeping in their bed at night had something similar occur because of a chemical reaction in their brain. But see, the, the problem that I'm having with all of this is, and it's not really a problem, all we're going to be able to go on for any extended period of time is just people's thoughts and what they've experienced. Yes. We don't have any any way of... Filming what they're seeing or – I mean we can get brain waves and, and other readings. The but delta how, waves, right, but – How are we going to be able to prove that what they're saying isn't true? Well, and, and you're, you're extremely right. You're, you're not, and that's why I have – I take issue with his – With his? With his story is because he says I had something. I could prove that that's not the event, so it must have been a dream. I don't think that he's factual in that. He got he was drinking alcohol. No, he didn't. He wasn't. His friends were. He came home and said, "I'm going to bed." I thought they said they were drinking. Alcohol. No, he wasn't. Anyway, could he have had some? He went to sleep. He was tired. He said he had all these things that yes. were going on. So did he have a hallucination, an altered state of consciousness, where he had that? <coughs> that's could, that's what he would say would be a dream. A dream. So right? I would say yes. Well, so, you, you don't what what you not you're not doing that to all of us. Come on, you know. There you go. You know I got you on film, right? Good. All right, cool. <laughs> so anyway, that's that. That's what I'm saying is I agree with Jeff. You, we can't prove it. Correct. What I lean towards is linking near death experience to the same thing as aliens. To the same thing as alien abductees. To the same thing as hallucinogenic drugs. So. So in order to get the near-death experience, there has to be some form of chemical reaction within the brain as far as drug-induced. And not even necessarily drug-induced. When you – let's say you pass okay. away and your pineal gland – and this is only one And of that's the not theories. a drug. It's not a drug. I mean it's, it's, a, it's a gland in your body. But it could be drug-related because let's say it secretes a drug when you pass Exactly because all a drug is is a chemical. Right. So – so yes, I mean, if you look at it that way, but I mean, that's only a theory as well. Exactly. So, but like Jeff said, you can't prove any of it. I think the best thing is the article Jeff was reading at the beginning of the show that talked about they euthanized the mice right. and monitored their brain waves. Right. I mean, you can't do that to humans. I right. mean, many people take issue to doing it to mice. So, I don't think there's any way you can prove it. But what I have a what I have trouble with is somebody saying, "Well, because I could prove mine, then everything else is the same thing." Kind of like the difference between an atheist and a Christian right. and their faith. Right. 
Well, I guess the question I have for the two of you guys is, as we talk about this, out-of-body experience and near-death experiences, how do you feel that it ties into the term of paranormal? Is it a paranormal I, I, phenomenon or or term? I, I think it could still be. Don't let me interrupt you. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's – if you look at altered states of consciousness and possibly – and this is a far-fetched, and I'm not saying this is what I believe, but lots of theories say that this could be interdimensional by terms of your brain right. consciousness going somewhere else. And that's where I'm going with the whole alien abductee, the DMT, the near-death experience, the seeing the t- light of the tunnel, you cross those deals. So I think it could still be, until you can prove that it ain't one of those things happening, it still has to be considered along the supernatural planes. Yeah, for me, for me, I'm just the opposite. I don't see it as a paranormal a term, um, just because I think there's there's too many. As we were saying, there's drugs that could cause it. There's alcohol that could cause it. There's other things that could cause it. Paranormal is more unknown. Right. right, unknown, not normal. Right. If it's not normal, it must be something and, that is normal. And I just, I think that this is too, too normal, too known, too. And, and I know this but, is going to be a stretch for you, but let's say DMT mm-hmm. does something to your brain, just like you were saying earlier. We don't use hardly any of our brain. Mm-hmm. Does something to your brain that allows it to communicate. Other dimension wise, then I mean I know that's a stretch for anybody to say that, but that's where some of the theories go. So that being said, well, are you saying that's too far out there for you to say? I still can't say it's paranormal. I just, and that's fine. I, I mean, just I just cannot say that it's truly paranormal. Mate, okay, so near death experience not paranormal, out of body experience. I possibly yeah. okay. Possibly, I could see that. See, okay. and, I, and I could too, because if there is a soul, okay. Again, can you prove scientifically? And there's been many experiments. Me, what my personal beliefs are, I'm, I'm going to leave out of that. But so I'm saying it is: if there is a soul, and your soul leaves the body, mm-hmm. I believe there could be an out of body experience. To where you would be at a higher plane of existence, right? And again, that gets into interdimensional. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, and I'll say it here. I mean, I, I mean, well, go back to your, your... Me, me, me being from a faith based background. If, if I die and my soul leaves my body, mm-hmm. is it possible that I could see my body as my soul is leaving? Yes. Okay. So now you're tying the out of body the near death experience as your soul leaving your body well, I, now i'm saying i still believe that an out of body experience could be because you, you can't say near death experience and out of body experience without interrelating them at some point in time yeah true okay true not not, not all ndes or or oobes invite mm-hmm. in the same way vice versa yeah. but if you have a near death experience where your body <coughs> I'm saying an out of body experience to to a degree. Let's say okay. not all out of body experiences either, but you you're getting a car crash and you see your body as the paramedics are working on you. Is that potentially your soul watching what's happening until someone determines where you're going? Yeah. 
And then somebody says, well, it's not your time yet. You're going back. Can it be? And that's tying religion into it. But What about it being just a memory of a bad experience that you had? And then the more you think about it, you're like, well, I can, because back to my accident, I can clearly see me walking back and forth. And see, and I've been the same. I haven't had a near-death experience, but I've had something so traumatic that I can almost physically see myself exactly. from a different plane. Exactly. But that's where I link the two into, and this sounds really weird to some people, but could that be some sort of altered state of consciousness that your brain is witnessing it from a different plane? Does that make sense? There's so much stuff going on in your brain that more brain power is used, and you, your brain witnesses yourself. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that. When, when, I, when I got, and you, like you had your motorcycle, right? I think about when I burnt my when I got what burnt. you got burnt. Yeah, I can almost physically see myself. That's what I'm saying. Running so, to the mattress. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And and from behind me. Yes. But I wasn't like that. That's what I'm talking about. Is could that be considered an out-of-body experience? But it's a memory that you can, like you said, you can actually see yourself it, running away. But it wasn't really a memory because I, I don't know how to... But it's now, it's a memory, right? But you can actually see that memory as you were watching yourself do that. Yes, that. yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm saying it's an altered state of consciousness. Okay, all right. Does that make sense? That does to me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I th- this topic is is very interesting because, you know, I as I got to reading a little bit more on this, you know, there's actually drugs they have out there now that will reproduce all of the features of near death experience. Yeah, ketamine, K E T A, ketamine, actually can produce. That's the date rate drug too. All the features of near death experience. Interesting. See, and, and that's why I link it to DMT, and that's why I'm, and, and I know y'all think I'm nuts on the alien thing, but to me, they're all related. It opens something up in your brain. But yeah. but as Rob and I was talking about before the, we started the show, I mean, think about it. When you go in for a major surgery, they give you drugs yes. to what? Basically make you forget. Yes. So yeah. you don't know what was going on unless you happen to wake up in the middle of it, but has a way of shutting your mind down. Correct. Well, how do we know your, that... Yeah, your body still feels pain. You just don't care. Right. So my thought process is, okay, so if it shuts my mind down to where I forget, what else is it doing to my mind? Exactly. Right. You know, how many times, and, and I can only speak for myself, at night I fall asleep with my TV on. Yes, I do the same. And all of a sudden, I'll start dreaming about something but wake up and find out it's being played on the TV. Yes, yes. So my mind in my sleep is doing that. So <coughs> who's to say when, when they put chemicals, heavy chemicals, to our uh, minds during uh, surgeries that it's not doing something to produce those right. experiences? So I, I agree. I, and that's, that's why I say it's an altered state of consciousness. It's. Yeah. Whether that be, and to me, that's why I can't take it out of the paranormal realm, is because I can't say that, is it just a dream that you remembered or anything, or is it something that your brain is doing that 
we as an entire civilization have no concept that our brain has that much power of doing. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting topic. Yeah, this topic can go on and on. And as I said, you know, I will never I will never say what if you had someone come to me and tell me they had an experience. Right. Well, I can only believe what exactly. they're telling me right. is what's happened. Because um, you wholeheartedly believe that you experienced that. Right. So who am I to say, no, you didn't? Well, see, and, and that's – yeah, and that's the thing with, with Randy, and, and y'all y'all probably know how I really feel. Oh, I know how you feel about him. That's why I threw him up there. But <laughs> he had good research there to me till the end. Yes. He said, well, my – my comforter was down there. This was down there. So it couldn't be that again. But that's why, like most cynic skeptics, they mm-hmm. they say, well, because I had that, then obviously nothing else right. could be yeah. that way. Exactly. So, so yeah, I'm not going to say that it didn't happen to you just because right. somebody else didn't. Right. I mean, when we, when we go out and, and – uh, meet with our clients, you know, when they first tell us what they're experiencing, we have to take it at face value exactly. that this is really what's going we on. Might, yeah, we might be able to tell them later on, well, we believe this is what right. happened to you. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I can't tell you that. But, see, with near-death experiences or OBEs, it's so different because we can't right. figure it out. We can't. We don't have video. We don't have audio. Exactly. We don't have that stuff. It's all first person experience right that we have to deal with so which is why we ask them over and over again the same questions exactly from multiple pe- multiple people ask them the same questions just in a different way right to see if we get the same elicit response from that that yes this is what they're experiencing well it's just like you know we ask the question to people when when they're experiencing something paranormal are you taking certain medications right. or are you having problems with sleeping? Well, as we know, the mind can be altered with those drugs or lack of sleep or whatever, causing them to maybe have those right. experiences. So, right. Well, I don't know what you guys think. That was, uh, I that, think, a really... I think that was a really good show. I mean, I wanted to go a little bit more in depth with a different <coughs> subject as well. Right. I, I wanted to build you know, another EM pump online, but right. that we can save that for a later time because we've actually had a pretty good show for being our first time back in months. At the, the first part was a little sketchy. I'll give it that. But then we slipped right into it, and it, it felt good again. I, I'll tell you I, what I'm really impressed with. No, I don't think there's going to be much. Maybe it was the camera putting this on. Maybe it was so putting the camera on there because there's a lot of times when we're like, um, okay, redo that. Let's take that edit out. But no, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think we can just take out a little bit and put the videos together from because we got your angle of Jeff and then our angle right there. How you doing? And so, yeah, I think we'd be able to do a lot little video editing and and go ahead and put that out and try and get rid of your coughs and stuff (laughs) but but the question i have for you two is okay episode 11 what are we going to do are we on 11 already this was 10 this was 10 okay um this was a good one um So ready to do Atlantis, but Atlantis. I don't want to take that long away because we've been. I don't want to take. I don't want to be away from this long, and I want to be able to have a good 
research because we really didn't research. I, I didn't research as I much did. as I wanted to on this subject, but I really want to. We just kind of well, said, hey, we've got to get a show. Let's do this now. So, I, I, well, that's what we did the, last week. Because yeah. a, a topic I think we probably should talk about maybe in the near future since it's coming up is Halloween. Halloween. There you go. Let's talk about Halloween. Maybe where the the history oh, of Halloween. Yeah, and, I like that. And uh, then we can go into some other topics. But, I, I like that one as well. But if you guys out there have uh, a show idea for us, why don't you uh, send it in to us and uh, maybe we'll get it on the air. Don't forget to send us everything and send us any of your stories. And don't forget to check us out at militaryparanormal.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or any of your favorite podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and have a great night. Have a great night, people. Good night. <laughs>